all stand together at this time. We're going to look in John chapter 14, uh, beginning a short series of messages over the next few weeks, uh, simply call about heaven, uh, about heaven. John chapter 14 and verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And may God bless the reading of his word today as my prayer. You may be seated. <clears throat> Every year finds more of my friends and loved ones in heaven. Gets on my mind sometimes, I don't mind telling you, just thinking about what my mom and others are doing, uh, how they're enjoying the presence of Almighty God. A few weeks ago, our series on Sunday morning on the kingdom uh, uh, brought me through the subject of hell. There's nothing fun about preaching about hell. I'll tell you that right now. It has to be done because the Bible teaches it. And we need to learn and be, need to hear about it from time to time. Uh, but it is fun to preach about heaven. And so uh, for the next few weeks, I'm going to look at uh, some of the classic passages in the Bible about uh, the subject of heaven and then uh, our last message is going to be about how to be sure, uh, how to be certain uh, as we'll discuss that uh, wonderful doctrine called the eternal security of the believer, uh, how you can be sure about heaven. And uh, many people have embraced a theology about heaven uh, that was perhaps best expressed uh, by the old praise and worship band, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Uh, <clears throat> they made a song. They weren't a praise and worship band. They was a rock and roll band. <laughs> Just telling you. Uh, some of y'all didn't get that, so I thought I'd make it clear. It's bad when you have to explain your jokes, but uh, <laughs> it just has to happen. Uh, anyway, they made an old song called When I Die, and it had this. He said, Now I swear there ain't no heaven, and I pray there ain't no hell, but I'll never know by living, only my dying will tell. Uh, that was the line. I'll never know by living, only my dying will tell. Most recent poll that I ran across in preparing for the message today said that 93% of the people in America still believe in heaven. And that about 70% of those are pretty sure that they're going there. Uh, of that same group then that believed in heaven, only 54% believed in hell. Isn't that interesting? Only 17% actually said they thought they were going there. There's a belief then, an idea... That still exists in spite of all we're hearing about the growing influence of secularism and the growing influence of atheism and agnosticism in American culture. People still believe in heaven. 
Now, I find it ironic that so many people who really don't believe in God still believe in heaven. But if there's one thing I know about American culture today is that we don't find believing totally contradictory things to be all that much to worry about, obviously. Uh, uh, we don't believe in God, but we believe in heaven. That's uh, rather intriguing. The Bible, of course, doesn't give you that leeway. We'll discuss that a little bit more. Uh, the popularity of those who've had near-death experiences and who have claimed that they, while they were out, uh, went to heaven and saw things. Some have come back and written books. Some have been made into movies. I'm constantly asked, Brother Rich, what do you think about that all? And my answer is always the same. I don't know. Can't comment on that. What I do know is what the Bible says. And when I want to know about heaven, I'm not going to read a book written by a man. I want to read the book that was written by the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, he's the one who made heaven after all. And uh, therefore, I think he is the one that we need to pay attention to. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, the Bible says this, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But <clears throat> he has revealed them unto us by his spirit. And of course he reveals them to us in his word. He's given us the Bible. And it is therefore the source of our information about heaven. Our text this morning in John chapter 14 is set in the midst of Jesus' last teaching opportunities with the disciples immediately before he went to the cross. He had been teaching them about the fact that he was going away. He was talking to them about his death and what was going to happen to them at Jerusalem. And time after time after time, they were missing that message. They didn't want to hear it, not at all. But Jesus when he gave this message, was only a few hours away from the cross. There was no message of comfort coming to him from the disciples, no message of encouragement, no promises, no prayers. Instead, the disciples are troubled, and they're arguing among themselves as to which one of them is going to be the greatest, who's going to sit on Jesus' right hand, Translate that, who's going to be in charge? In the midst then of all that was going on, Jesus gives them this incredible, incredible passage. Chances are this morning, the last time you heard John 14 preached on, it was at a funeral. And I personally think that from time to time, we need to hear about heaven when it's not at a funeral. So, thus this series of messages it begins then with the instruction Jesus gave them, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in man, in me. This is given to them as a command. And it could be translated, Stop letting your hearts be troubled. Stop this. If we could imagine a person who's on their deathbed, but still in full charge of their mental capabilities. While they're lying there dying, they hear their children arguing and fussing over the stuff. We would not be surprised if they just said, stop. Stop it. 
That gives us, I think, a pretty good idea of what Jesus said. Stop letting your hearts be troubled. Stop this. They were troubled and upset, and they were upset about a lot of things. And, and granted, Jesus' promise about his impending death, of what was going to happen to them, was certainly contradicting everything they expected. Right up to the very end, they were expecting Jesus to overthrow the Roman rule and, and uh, establish his messianic kingdom and restore the kingdom unto Israel. Right up to the very end, they were still asking about it. You'll see that in the book of Acts, right up to the very ending. And what Jesus was talking about, then dying and then going home, was just upsetting their apple carts. I tell you, they were not expecting this. Things were not turning out the way they expected, not at all. We can then all identify a little bit with the trouble that they were feeling because all of us are troubled when life doesn't work out the way we expect. And especially when it turns to, in a direction that we would consider to be tragic and we've cried out to God as one of His children begging Him to help us and He doesn't. God doesn't do always what we think He ought to do. Life doesn't go the way we think it ought to go. And sometimes that troubles us almost all the time. So we can identify with the apostles and their trouble. Well, Jesus specifically sets their faith against their troubled heart, and he still does. Stop letting your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He calls their faith then to the forefront. It wasn't time for them to be troubled. It was a time for them to believe. Psalmist David perhaps put it best in Psalm 27 and 13 when he said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed. What did he believe? He believed that he would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have lost heart except that I believed that I would one day see God's goodness. It's a good thing to remember when our hearts are troubled because life isn't working out the way we expected or maybe that God isn't doing the things that we thought uh, that he was going to do. And our hearts are troubled. Listen, we can believe God because our life is not always going to be troubled. We will, like David said, see the goodness of God again in the land of the living. Yes, we will. No wonder then the next verse says what? Wait on the Lord. Boy, that blesses your heart, doesn't it? <laughs> Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Well, since there in John chapter 14, the first part is a command. Stop uh, then letting your hearts be troubled. Uh, we can take the second expression also as a command, in which case it would carry the idea of you keep on believing. You keep on believing in God and in me. They had expressed their faith, you see, in Him. But Jesus knew what they didn't know. He knew that their faith was going to be challenged. In fact, it was already being challenged. And there's nowhere where our faith is more imperative than where we are facing the final challenge. The reality of death, whether it's our own or someone that we love. 
we believe in heaven then. Because we believe in God. We believe in heaven because we believe in Jesus. To refuse to believe in God, to refuse to believe in Jesus Christ, is to reject the reality of heaven. You believe in God, believe also in me. So that's the instruction. You stop letting your hearts be troubled and instead you keep believing. But then he gives them those marvelous promises, the information. If that's the instruction, then he gives them this information. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know, my Father's house. My Father's house. Writer of the book of Hebrews gave us some important information about the Father's house in Hebrews 9 and 23. It was therefore necessary, he said, that the patterns of the things in, in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. You see, he had been talking about the Old Testament temple. And the Old Testament temple, tabernacle before it, was referred to as the house of God. But the writer of the book of Hebrews is pointing out to them that uh, though it contained the Holy of Holies and the mercy seat, and though God had promised to meet with His people there, that Old Testament tabernacle in the temple was really just a pattern, a, a figure, a type, a picture, if you will, of the reality. And the reality is heaven. That's exactly what He's going to tell us in this passage. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself. Now to appear where? In the presence of God for us. You see, heaven then is a very real place. Jesus calls it my Father's house. It is a place where God lives. His very presence. He calls it house. Now, heaven uh, could be called a, a land or country. And it is. And when it's referred to as a country, it has a name. It's called Beulah. Beulah. And when it's called a country, it is done so because, of course, it has citizens of that country. There's a time when heaven is called paradise. And it's called paradise because of its beauty. It's indescribable beauty. It's called a city because of its inhabitants, those who dwell there. But it's called a house. Because it's a family. Maybe this morning you can think of a house that's precious to you because it's a place where your family gathers. In my case, my mind immediately goes uh, to a place in southern Arkansas, in Columbia County, uh, that's called the Harvey House. Now, uh, that was my mother's house where she grew up. It was my Memo and Papa Harvey's place. Uh, the most distinguishing feature of that house that's always stood out in my mind was the hand-hewed uh, uh, cypress logs cut down in door cheap bottoms, and 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 Papa drug them out of there uh, by himself. With him, I'm sure the kids helped him, of course. And and the mud was there. I know the kids were helping him because they all scratched their names uh, as he he mudded in there with the uh, concrete and. Uh, hand-hewed cypress logs, a 
he built it himself. We'd gather up there. My mom was one of 11 kids, uh, so when all of us gathered together, it was a young town out at the Harvey Play. I'm telling you what, it was, it was humongous. I, I could guarantee you that on any day that our Harvey clan got together, I was going to get at least one whooping more than likely two before the day was over. It just always seemed to happen. There was so much meanness to get into, and I liked it all. I mean, that, it was, uh, I, was, I was all boy, still am uh, part of me. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the Harvey place, still special to me, always will be. Why? Because that was where our family got together. And so when I, when I see heaven spoken of as being God's house, I know that it's done, that God does that because He wants us to remember this is where all of His family is going to gather together. That's why He calls it a house. Because of the family gathering that's going to take place. And as hard as it is for us to imagine, uh, bless your hearts today, one of these days there is going to be an incredible family gathering in the house of God. And I'm going to be there. I want you to be there too. One of the most precious descriptions of heaven to me. This family gathering is already going on there in spirit. As the spirits of those who died in the Lord have, have, have claimed that promise to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. But one day it's going to happen in reality. And it boggles the mind to think of how that's going to happen. But the Bible says we will believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house. Then he noticed the mansions. In my father's house are many mansions. Now the word translated mansion in this passage is used in only one other place in the New Testament. And it's in this same chapter. John chapter 14 verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Uh, in my father's house, then, are many homes, many abodes. Now, those of you who've gone to church all your life, like I have, have sang about that mansion over the hilltop many times. And you've also sang about that cabin that you're going to have in glory land, and just give me a cabin. We might warn people from time to time, you know, unless you live right, well, you might end up with little shanty back on the backside over there somewhere. Well, I'm going to tell you something today. You don't have to worry about having a shanty. And I don't think we all have to worry about really how we're going to keep up with that mansion. Because if you'll notice, Jesus said, in my father's house. The word literally means there are many abodes, many dwelling places. There's only one house. Only one house. Just the way it is. That's how he describes it. In my father's house are many mansions, many dwelling places, many places of abode. God's house is indeed, like our children sing, a big, big house with what? Come on, kids. Lots. Uh, I'll tell you, that was pretty weak, kids. <laughs> it's a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms. That's exactly how Jesus describes it. No doubt there are going to be nice places. There's no doubt about that. Now, the imagery that Jesus invokes when he does this uh, very possibly is associated with the Jewish wedding ceremony. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. For now, let's just understand that Jesus has talked about the Father's house. 
And the fact that in the Father's house, there's going to be plenty of room for all of his family to dwell. Then he speaks of the place. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. A place. Place. I'm going to prepare a place. Now, many, many scholars throughout the years have pointed out the, the simple reality that it's very possible, we can't prove it, it's very possible that Jesus was invoking that imagery from the Jewish wedding. Because uh, once uh, the bridegroom and, and had made that decision, the bridegroom had been picked and, and, and the bride uh, a price had been paid and agreed upon, uh, then the bridegroom had a responsibility. And that responsibility is he had to go make a place. You see, he couldn't get married. He couldn't take his, his bride unto himself uh, until he had a place for her. That was a good practice then. It's still a good practice, by the way, today. And so he said, I'm going, and that's exactly what they'd say. I, I, I've got to go and get the place ready. And when I get the place ready, then I will come back to receive into myself. Now, I can't guarantee you that's all that Jesus was thinking about in this passage. But I can tell you absolutely that Jesus is preparing a place for us. And once that is done, he's going to come back to get us. That is so that we can enjoy his uninterrupted presence forever and that's exactly what he says so that where I am there you may be also the apostle Paul would write to the young church at Thessalonica struggling among other things to understand about what happened to people when they died and so he tells them in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 14 for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, there can be no higher authority. This we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall ever be with the Lord. Now, it's a, we might think, well, those folks, that, I don't know about you, I, I want to go out in a shout. Can you all say amen to that? I, I, I want to go out in a rapture. Uh, my mama and daddy bought an insurance policy for me when I was a little kid. It's a burial policy back then. And, and, and you know what? Uh, I hope it just languishes there and modern woodman gets to keep it as long as they want it. <laughs> because I honestly believe, I, I really do hope and pray that I'll go out with a shout. And, and I'll be one of those that are alive when Jesus comes. And Paul did too because he said, Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up... Uh, and called up in the Lord, you know, I, I want to meet the Lord in the air. And we might think those that died in the Lord somehow got a little bit short changed. They had to feel the pain of death. Yeah, but Jesus tells us they're going to be the first ones up. By no means 
said. Well, we precede those that are asleep. Don't you worry about your loved ones. Literally, they're going to be waiting for you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when you get there. When you meet him in the air, they'll be there with him. They go first. Now, I don't mean to say by that that they're going to be up there for a month or two. <laughs> this thing's going to play out so fast as far as earthly time is concerned. And by the time it all plays out, we'll just be together with the Lord forever. Oh, what a day that's going to be. I'm looking forward to that. And so he speaks to the place. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And when I do, I will come again. Jesus made that promise. He's going to keep it. And receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. And then last this morning he speaks of the way. Whether I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If any of us were asked this morning, which way is heaven? I'm going to ask you, and I want you to point toward heaven right now. Which way is heaven? I don't have my glasses or my contacts in this morning, so. <laughs> Most of us are going to point up. At the very least, I can tell you, that we are pointing in the opposite of the place the Bible tells us that hell is. Where's hell? Hell's in the center of the earth. So the ground beneath our feet, if we're pointing up, we're at least pointing opposite of there. <laughs> but of course, this ball that we're on is spinning around at 25,000 miles an hour, so I can't really... Which way is heaven? Well, it's not that way. We can identify then with what Thomas was saying. Lord, we don't know. And, and honestly, we don't know which way to even point to tell you how to get started. So Jesus gave him a simple answer. What's the way to heaven? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The disciples knew the way, you see, because they knew Jesus Christ. And the exact same thing is true of any person in this auditorium this morning who knows Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's been that time in your life where you've received Jesus as your Savior. Then you know the way to heaven because you know Jesus Christ. That's it. Earlier in this same book, Jesus would meet a good man, a very religious man, a teacher in Israel by the name of Nicodemus. And he gave to him a simple instruction. You must be born again. You must be born again. Your birth certificate, everybody here has one. Your birth certificate records a specific time and date when you were born. Mine was April the 9th, 1959 in Shreveport, Louisiana. I've got a birth certificate that tells when I was born. That date stays with me throughout my life and no doubt one day will be on my obituary unless that stuff happens that I've already talked about. <laughs> uh, the date we were born. It is a very specific time. Jesus talked about that to Nicodemus when he said, 
that which is born of the flesh is flesh. You had a fleshly birth. We've all had one. We know when it happened. It happened at a specific point in time. But then he said to him, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus had been raised all of his life to think he was right with God because of his first birth. He was a descendant of Abraham. You understand? He was of the Jewish people, God's chosen people. When he was eight days old, they took him to the temple. He was circumcised by the priest in tribute to the fact that he was one of the covenant descendants of Abraham. And they believed. They believed. In many cases, they still believe to this day that they're going to heaven, they're right with God because they're descendants of Abraham because of their physical birth. But even him, even to him, Jesus would say, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You may have been born to godly parents. They may have taken you to a church. You may have been dedicated. You may have been Christian." There might have been other experiences that you had along the way where uh, maybe even you joined a church. Uh, maybe you were even baptized. Maybe you were even baptized by immersion. But I can tell you this morning that unless you've been born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. And I didn't make that up. Jesus is the one who said it. As you had a physical birth, and that happened at a specific time, so also your spiritual birth must happen at a specific time. It's not about living a good life. It's not about just hoping then when you die that your good life will have been enough. Let me tell you something. It won't. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. If you want to go to the Father's house... Come through me. No wonder Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 9, I am the door. I am the door. There's one house and one door. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I don't care how many bad stories and bad jokes you've heard when you die, you're not going to meet St. Peter at the gate to heaven. Because St. Peter does not get to decide who goes and who don't go. It's bad theology. Jesus said, I'm the door. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it is only those who receive Jesus Christ as their Savior then who are going to go to heaven. And Luke chapter 16, Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus. A rich man who had it all, but he didn't have God. And when he died... Jesus said, in hell, he lifted up his eyes. The rich man who died without Christ closed his eyes on this world and opened his eyes in hell, just like that. 
Lazarus, on the other hand, closed his eyes in this world. And he opened his eyes in the paradise of God. As the Bible tells us, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So if you've kind of bought in somewhere along the line to that blood, sweat, and tears theology, and a lot of people have it, well, I'll just wait till I die. And then I'll figure it out. Let me tell you, when you die, it's too late. When you die, it's too late. Time to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior is now. That's why the Bible says, behold, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Today, if you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. Life is uncertain. Death is sure. And as there is a hell, there is also a heaven. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you experienced the new birth? If not, there will never be a better time than today.